Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Well, uh, tonight, um, we're here for the, the Gottman's Sound Relationship House model that we're going to discuss. Um, so you've just been in the breakout rooms talking about what you think your past relationships may have needed or what they were missing um, and what would have made them work if they were meant to work. Um, does anyone... Did anyone have any insights or thoughts to share based on that discussion? I have a nice term that came up in my group. Um, not needing to have a fair partnership, a sense of a fair partnership. I, I like that term. Needing to have or not needing yeah. to have. Needing, needing to, have. to have that's 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 a shortfall in a relationship not having one but that's what they would love to have yeah so that's the shortcoming not having one okay that's a good one anyone and, else stand, standing up for a balanced relationship at the same time standing Equality. up for it defending yeah. it yeah yeah uh now I'm, I'm struggling to remember. Is it is Raza or right Raza? Yes. Um, so words. we agreed with the girls that it was communication and trust, um, and we talked about how sometimes taking a bit longer to get to know the person is a bit more worth it so that you get that kind of connection with them and then you get more communication and more trust and more openness um to me personally what that was what lacked in all of my past relationships was the communication and trust and like i mentioned last week there was this lack of vulnerability from the other side like i couldn't trust the person because they weren't vulnerable with me so it was just one way street really okay Thank you. Any any other qualities or attributes? Authenticity, honesty, being present. And also we had communication. Okay. And, and val validation. Okay. Compatibility. Forget not another one. Sorry, another one is not knowing what we what we need, what we want. Okay, self awareness. Yeah. Avoid and respect for and respect for boundaries. Boundaries. Uh, not getting not not getting physical too soon. So, like, say if you had a dating plan where you didn't have physical contact for so like eight dates or whatever you might decide, that allows you to see the person as they really are and not get caught up in all the chemistry, which is wonderful. But if you're, it's almost like a drug. You know, you can get hooked on the chemistry and not really see what you've got. 
Do you think that is just going to build up the chemistry and delay it? Or do you think that's going to be a way around it? I think if you give yourself time to see where, what the person is actually about and they're a decent human being, there's nothing wrong with meeting a decent human being and there being chemistry. But if there's just chemistry with no compatibility, then it's doomed, I think. That's my personal experience and opinion. It's okay. got to be something more. It's okay to have the physical and the the um, connection and the compatibility. Ideally, you're not going to get you know marry someone you don't find you know you don't find attractive, are you? No. Okay. Um, and we had in our group the trying to avoid the conflict. Avoid conflict by pleasing or just simply avoiding. Okay. I made yes. a suggestion. Yeah, go ahead. Go oh, carry on. Sorry, who's that? Yeah, I just made the suggestion that it seems like you can only really meet and connect with somebody to the level that they've done that with themselves. So how well they know themselves, how grown and developed they are is, you know, the depth that you can merge with them. Hmm. I, I think it comes down to that. I think, um, uh, I can't remember, uh, Raza, wasn't it, who talked about um, being vulnerable, the vulnerability. Um, and that's quite interesting because when you do find someone who is willing to go further, more vulnerable than you, is that going to feel threatening? Because there, there's a point where all of us have where we feel comfortable. Um, and a lot of people say that they want a lot of communication and they want a lot of vulnerability, but it becomes then threatening when someone does go to that level because then you you find the limits of your own um, readiness to go uh, to I be think, vulnerable. And yeah, yeah, I think you're really spot on there, Rob. But I think that's why it's important not to share vulnerability too too soon. So, say if you went on a date for the second time with somebody and they started opening up about their life you would think that was a red flag straight away mm. but if it, if they said the same thing on the 10th day it would be appropriate maybe it's just about mm. the pace of the getting to know someone not doing it too quickly just slowing everything down yeah it's it's it's, it's not what you do it's the context in which you do it um so context is all important um, you have and to be careful of you have to be careful about cultural norms though. If you're an American, you will open up immediately. You will start talking. Yeah, that's, that's true. Culturally, culturally um, they're more open. So um, you may find that a little bit overwhelming. Um, but you know, open is open is wonderful, isn't it? That 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 sort of emotional openness. Because I, I lived in America for five years. And that is really beautiful. And other cultures like Colombian and they're very, you know, gregarious. And that's beautiful. But what I'm trying to say is if you start sort of telling someone all your emotional history, that whatever culture you're in, that is kind of like, hang on a minute, that's a bit too much, isn't it? Mm. No, that's the point. If you are talking to somebody who is of the same culture, it may be normal for, for both of them. You may think it's not the done thing but 
that's normal for them. But I think it's more if it's two people from two different cultures, how do you make that happy um, meeting, that happy half halfway point where you can both um, work with the differences between you? I think, can I present a different view, please? I, I believe if he's not the right person for you or you're not the right person for him or her, sorry, um, then we are not willing to go that far to be vulnerable and open and transparent. Good point, good point, brilliant point. I think that's a difficulty I've had in past relationships, actually, in that trying to communicate with people and all them and trying to conflict resolve um, and not being met halfway. Um, I guess they're not willing to be vulnerable or face their issues or be honest with themselves and with me. Um, yeah, and I guess it just depends um, how resolved they are within themselves, really. Mm. I think yeah, I think everyone everyone has a, a level that they're willing to open up to and can connect to. Um, and one of the problems that people have when they they they're dating or or in a relationship and there there's all these kind of tricks and techniques and the rules and all of these things. And what they do is they essentially mask who you are. Um, so the goal isn't to make a relationship last with someone the goal is to get the relationship that you want and so the more quicker you can get to who someone is the quicker you can work out that in when starting a relationship it shouldn't be i need to make this work it should be can it work with this person yes yeah, spot, spot on um, rob you just hit the nail on the head and so the quicker that you can get to that um and then the less emotional sting there is if it doesn't if if they're not the right person so yeah it's really just about finding the level that you can connect to someone with that they allow you to and and that you are comfortable with them sometimes it's just simply the person got so much traumas why it's not even aware it's having those issues so it's not really not honest with self. It just simply never reached that caution level. It's just been always busy, busy. And that's our, these time issues. We try to be busy and we try to solve a lot of problem. Where should be first ourselves put? We should be every single day first ourselves. Like so many great people does. First two, three hours, it should be yours. Not even your partner, not even anybody else. It should be yours. Wake up early, do your two, three hours for yourself. Then after, go and do the other stuff. Yeah, it's it's easy to lose yourself in a relationship. And so many people do lose themselves in trying to be the person that pleases or the person that keeps the relationship going. Um. Okay, so we've we've got quite a we've got quite a few ideas. So does everyone feel confident they have a good grasp of their feeling um, and understanding? So when I when I Sorry. when I um, um, 
first really started out, I used to just, I used to write stuff or I used to talk a lot. Um, and so if you came here expecting to like listen to a talk, then that's not what we're, not what we're going to do. This is about being engaged um, and everyone sharing their views so that we all come away with something better than any one of us had to start with. Now, uh, what I want to do now is, is an exercise. Um, and we're going to work in teams of about four or five um, in breakout rooms. And what I'd like you to do is think up if you had to, and, and you do because you've been assigned a task now, um, of making a model, the best model you can come up with in 20 minutes as a group for how to make a relationship work. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Can you say that again, please? Sorry. Yeah. So we're going to work in groups in four or five in the breakout room. And the idea is to take what is essential for building a relationship model. So um, I, th I don't know if you can see the whole thing. Um, I've put it up as a virtual background of this is the Gottman's relationship model. Um, so what I'd like you to do before we go through it and talk about it, I'd like you to think about what, in your view, as a group, would, do, does it take to make a relationship work? So the Gottmans have been working on this like 40 years, um, but you've got 20 minutes. Um, but just to come up with best idea Challenge. you have, um, and then so then we can, we can compare that against the Gottmans. Okay, so we've got someone who, uh, one or two who, who are kind of regulars and know how things work um, in each group. Uh, if someone can take notes to be the spokesman and write down a model and draw it in whatever, whatever kind of model seems to make sense. Okay. We <laughs> Is that you volunteering, Betty? Yes. Good. It starts with self-knowledge, self-awareness, knowing the self and one word, values. So know who you are and what you want in life. Next honesty, communicate honestly with your partner or prospective partner. This is driven by vulnerability, which in turn brings about trust. And authenticity is at the centre of it. So we have many other words like tolerance and patience and empathy and understanding. And we spoke about willingness to invest in a relationship and having an emotional bank account and how we need to be willing to create a balance. But at the heart of it all really was honesty, starting with honesty with the self, knowing who you are and what you want, and then honest communication with your partner. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Thank you. Um does is there anyone else from that group who, who wanted to add anything else in before we move on? Okay. Uh, which group thinks that so, – so tonight we haven't got IRL here, so we, there's no, going to be no bribery with Apple Crumble. Um, so which group, just on the merits of their, the work that they've done, thinks that they have a better model or, or – 
Or is that setting out wrong? Or who has an alternative model? Ah, is that Janos? Yeah, we actually find a couple of good points. One of them was the courage to be able and to do the things, you know, like also the self-reflect, we said, which is related more for the to understanding the healing from the traumas, how to even do that, to be aware about dialogue to resolve the problems rather than just it's properly listening and to really understanding and the space to giving uh, for each others, especially when the trauma are being triggered. And we also said to don't try to help others without being asked to help. Because by that, you actually not giving trust, you actually taking out the ability to learn how to solve that problem in the future. Mm. And by like that, it's the person can feel it's been controlled. Mm. And, and it all, that also, um, I don't know if anyone's aware of the Cartman drama triangle um, of... Uh, victim uh victim villain and i can't remember the other one um but yeah it becomes in that that kind of drama of savior and the saved could i ask what was the courage needed for to even to try to solve the problems you know for anything because so often we know what to do but you actually have to put your ass there to do it you have to be show up and for that, you need a lot of courage. It's not just self-confidence. That's not enough. You have to go there and do it. You have to go there and talk. You have to be there and just to listen. That's a courage. It's Brené Brown really nicely talking about that. In Netflix, you can find that. It's really nice. Because to me, the word courage says that you're willing to make the effort. And to be willing to make the effort, it, to me, it speaks of having that value. Because I think that with somebody who you don't value, you're not willing to put in that effort. You need courage to trust. Yes. And to give yourself completely. Okay. Uh, is anyone else from Janos's group? Anyone else got anything to say? Okay, um, which uh, so there was two more groups, wasn't there? Who would like to talk from one of the others? I'm doing my group, um, Irene and Matthew's group. Rob? Okay. 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 Um, we came up with the idea of... Um, building a committed team. So it's two individuals working together to build a committed team, which has a sense of fun and enjoys physical and emotional um, intimacy. Yeah, I can't even read my own handwriting, sorry. Um, and contributing to that uh, are the following things. Um, authenticity, 
which was mentioned before. Commitment. Conflict resolution and learning. Effective communication. Are these two separate things, conflict resolution and learning? And yeah. And, and learning as in how to learning conflict from the ex learning learning from the experience from the conflict and the resolution thereof mm. right effective communication of course that is all tied into that but separate and apart um, from that as well um learning to ask for what you want being able to ask for what you want, which I think also um, ties in with courage. Okay. Encourage, encouraging and appreciating individual growth. Okay. And of course, values always fit into that. And providing dynamic support. Dynamic. Yeah, it waves, it changes. It. Oh, so one supports, then the other supports. Yeah, yeah, and it may vary throughout. Okay. You win for the biggest list. We like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, one more group. Who's was the last group? Ah, Nicole. Hello. So, um, yeah, we had comedy hour in hours, so we just about managed to get something together. But um, we're talking, first we reckon it should be based on um, setting out clear boundaries about, you know, what both parties want, what you're looking for, um, what your morals and values are. <clears throat> um equals basically com coming from a place of equality with your partner um authenticity obviously is really important and in with that we discussed um that pertaining to autonomy as well so having your own things going on your own interests um and a bit of introspection i guess um and honesty obviously i mean i can't think that's a, a given but you know um <clears throat> and then we were feeling after this, um, sort of communication and conflict resolution comes into it with a bit of emotional intelligence. Um, it's got to be based on respect and for you to be able to communicate and resolve your issues, you've both got to be able to be vulnerable with each other. <clears throat> um, and then we're feeling like shared humour is also important and teamwork, I guess, what Sandra was just talking about. Anyone else from my group want to share? I need I only need two more to beat Sandra's group. Damn it. <laughs> Patient, loving, caring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um okay, so right, I, I think we, um now if we go quick fire, I'm gonna give you three minutes same groups to come up with three so amalgamate amalgamate um which is more important key three 
when I did this, I, I made like a, this model based on my ideas. Um, and then I figured, right, what, what is at the core of them all? Because it's easy to remember free. Um, and I, it's interesting that only one of them has turned up. Um, okay, so uh, we're back in the same breakout rooms, quick fire free. And you see, so you just need to really quickly agree amongst yourself. Like, I think, like you were saying, authenticity and autonomy can probably be merged. Um, and then we'll come back in three minutes for um, just free, free for each. So quickly, um, what are the three from each group? Compatibility, authenticity, interdependence. Well, we found this difficult to narrow down, but we went with um, communication slash conflict resolution, um, respect, and then we weren't too sure on the last one. We're sort of bouncing around like empathy and love. I think authenticity is quite important as well, actually. Okay. It's really hard to do in, in a short time like that. Um, and the other two groups. One of them was the authenticity as well. We said also the communication to resolving problems. And the third one was a little bit how I how we could describe. Maybe Link can explain. Sorry, who can explain? Um okay, uh, I'll add something. Um Strong mutual attractions. I guess you can say compatibility. So, which includes physical attractions, mental attraction, emotional attraction, spiritual attraction. Okay, so different, um, like all three levels of attraction. Yeah, or more. Okay. Physical. Um, Mental, um, intellectual, as same as mental, but emotional and uh, spiritual. Okay. Thank you. And Betty, or Betty's group. Honesty, values, and ketamine. <laughs> ketamine. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Uh, so authenticity is showing up. It's strange how in a, in a group um, how much variety there is, and I think one of that one of the reasons for that is that. Words are very difficult. Uh, words that I say would mean something slightly different to you. And so it's it's really getting to the definitions of that. Okay, so um, now I'm going to run through the Gottman's model. So the Gottman's, so John Gottman started work, research on relationships about 40 years ago 
um, saying that he he had no idea how to have a relationship. He had no idea about them. Um, and really, he is um, someone very sort of numbers-driven, statistics-driven. So he, him and um, Bob Levinson um, just did this research um, and they didn't intervene. They didn't do anything. They just put like... Uh, like the, the main research is in what they call a love lab. So they have like this flat where a couple will come and as if it's like an Airbnb for a weekend. Um, and they'll just be there as if they're away for a weekend. Um, and there's cameras all around the, the lab. The couple are wired up. So it's taking their, all their senses, um, you know, like uh, heart rate, um, skin, all of these things. So you get in physiological states. And they just watched them and they just um, analysed the video and they, they looked at how they talked to each other. They looked at how they disagreed. And in time, um, Gottman uh, claims that he can, I think he said 97%, um, he can claim who's going to, which relationships are going to last and which aren't. Primarily on how they argue. It's not if they argue, because arguing isn't a sign of a problem. It's how you argue. So I need to set this up first by, um, because what we've done, um, so so basically most of what I've learned on relationships is based on the Gottmans. Um, and then I've looked at, so the Gottmans, their goal, um, so they differ from someone like Harvel Hendricks, whose goal is to be very, idealistic and they have a story that relationships are part of the journey um and so it's a bit of a leap it's not maybe it's true maybe it's not but it's not provable whereas the Gottmans are very much um I only work on provable and and he's spoken that their goal is to help a couple to sit and be able to have a pastry together it's not to be anything more than that it's not any great spiritual aim or, or that it's just to be able to have a functioning relationship so that's where they came from now john gottman for 20 years never had any theories he had lots of research data um but he never intervened never did anything um and it was only when he met his now wife um and she'd been working as a, a therapist and she was deeply in um as a as a therapist and she was able to take the data and build a story from it and so from that story they now have the the shared relationship model that they have something that they can use as a basis for therapy so um so let me go through the 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 model so essentially it starts with building love maps now Probably the best-selling relationship book is The Five Love Languages. And The Five Love Languages is just a very broad generalization of some people like physical affection, some people like words of words of um, affirmation, some people like acts of service, some people like presence, and some people like physical touch. Um, so what that's generally, that points us to, is people receive and love different differently. But the idea of the, the Gottman's love maps is much deeper than that. You know, that is, you understand what someone's life is. 
someone's life is built out of hopes and dreams and fears and it's who's important to them what does their work matter to them what does this this event mean in their life so it's understanding um more and more what what your partner what's important to them so what we've taught what what we've come up with like in my models and in and your models is most of what we've come up with is what individuals need to come now the Gottmans have talked a lot about relation about um this is how you build a relationship so it's quite um technical um and I, what i think it misses is it misses all the ingredients that we've talked about that someone has to have that qualifies them to have this relationship so you can say do this relationship but if you don't have the self-awareness if you don't have the honesty the communication the vulnerability all of those things you're not going to do this so this is really about so building love maps is really about deep empathy really caring and listening and understanding what's going on in your partner's life so the next level is to share fondness and admiration and one of the things that they say that they can distinguish between couples who are having a hard time who are going who can like break through that and couples that can't is that they talk to them about how did you meet um and the couples that will go back oh well you know oh she was she was just the, the most beautiful woman and we met and we just had this great time and and he was so charming and he was that the couples that have that fond memories and that can see good in their in their partner have the ability to then go back and and heal because they still have something positive whereas couples that they go oh i don't know why i stuck with him he was just a he was just a miserable git and um um he was just there and you know i was feeling like those couples they don't have that fondness and admiration so they don't have that base to really go back to so they talk a lot about bids now a bid is sometimes you like you want your partner's attention and um you might talk about something that's going on you might point something out and you're not really talking about that but you're using that as a device to get their attention um and to open a dialogue so couples that do that and the other person doesn't pick up on it are um are couples that don't last because one's always making a bid um and then the others like yeah 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 and you know like a couple will go why are you saying that it makes no sense um and they're just like oh she's off again um you know that kind of not paying respect to them whereas the couples that are not taking it on face value but on responding in the unspoken communication of what they've said so there's the overt explicit communication of uh, isn't it a nice day and then there's the um unsaid and implicit of i'm wanting to connect to you so the ones that respond to that um that uh which they they called turning towards instead of turning away um and so then they talk about the positive perspective and this is generally thinking good of your partner 
Um, so there's research that shows that part that couples that last are deluded in a positive sense. So they give their partner um, abilities and qualities that they don't really deserve. Um, because the, the, the difference is, and I can't remember who the research, but they, they talked about someone who, who's um, done the research on this. But essentially, you have a choice between thinking good of your partner and thinking negatively. The people who think negatively are, I'm trying to remember how it was phrased, um, they're like nurturing betrayal. Because what they're doing is they're going, you know, like, oh, look at him, slob on the couch. You know, I, <laughs> it's not Dorothy from accounts, but Derek, we could be Derek from marketing this week or something. Um, you know, look at Derek from marketing. I could be with him and I could be having fun this weekend. Or, um, you know, there's this, this other person that's interested in me. And so the people that look outside of themselves and are like, well, look at him and look at what I could be having outside. Um, so then they tend to have a negative view of their partner. So the couples that last, so, so what they're really doing is setting up to betray their partner sooner or later. Whereas the couples that are committed, like this is, you know, this is, you know, it may still be the same slob sitting on the on the sofa, but oh, he's had a hard week. Um, um, I, I know he'd do it for me if I was feeling tired, and or give their partner the benefit of the doubt. In other words, is that um, because they love them or because they think they can't do better? Well, there, there comes a point where you can always look if you're looking for maximization there comes a point where you can always like you'd be chopping and changing from relationship to relationship. And what's really going to make you happy is not someone who's 0.3% better looking 0.5% um, richer or, or um, kinder or whatever, but it's somewhere where you commit, there has to be this sense of, like we're in it together. So we're in it as, as a shared team. Um, now, if it is like the relationship, if they really are like, so, so, so my, my thing is that there's, um, there's three elements to a relationship. There's you, there's them, and there's the interaction between you. Um, and you I either show up as enriching the other person or poisoning and they show up as enriching you or poisoning you. And I think where someone is poisoning, then that means it's, it's not, you don't want to be in the relationship, but if they're showing up as enriching, um, then there might be someone who's, a <coughs> who might be a step up. Um, but somewhere you have to have that, loyalty that you're committed to it does that make sense yeah i suppose if you're getting your needs met and you're happy and like you said they're enriching your life then there's no need to keep being the uh yeah maximizer and keep looking yeah uh, i don't think you should delude yourself like if, if you're 
you know, which which does happen in toxic relationships where someone's getting battered and, and bruised and um, um, whatever, um, and yet they go, yeah, but I love him. But, yeah, but he, you know, once a year he takes us on nice holidays or he's kind. So there is, um, you shouldn't delude yourself about someone who isn't good for you. But, yeah, once you've committed, I think, um, you have to dance with the one that brought you. Okay, so the, then the next part is about managing conflict. And so they talk about there being three real parts to managing conflict, as in they say that tra traditionally and typically men tend not to accept their wife's influence. Um, so this tends to be more men, um, and I think that goes back to traditional roles. Um, and maybe is changing the dynamics of that are changing. Um, but men have typically been um, told to be like, you're the head of the house, you're the one who should be in control, you should know. Um, and sometimes men have difficulty um, in accepting a partner's influence. Um, and there's also um, people have talked about men, like the difference between genders. We're going to go into that more in a future meetup. Um, and so then it's about dialogue. It's like uh, I think every group has something about conflict resolution, communication. Um, so it's really about being able to talk about problems. And, of course, there's specific processes and the specific ways that are more effective at being able to do that. Um, and the last one is really interesting um, in terms of conflict because we all think of conflict as being with our partner. Um, but they talk about practicing self-soothing. Um, and self-soothing is when you feel injured, um, not immediately lashing out. So this is where, when I say like enriching and poisoning, um, some people lash out when they've had a bad day. And they go, oh, but yeah, but you're the one, you're the one closest to me. But so what that means is that you've done is that we all have the stress of life. We all have to navigate through life. And it's the ability to navigate through life without making our hardships turn into be something poisonous um, for our partner. So self-soothing is about the ability to, when you feel anxious, when you feel stressed, the ability to soothe yourself without lashing out and without blaming your partner for how you're feeling. Because sometimes we're feeling down and then we look to blame anyone but ourselves. And so we blame our partner for how we're feeling when it, if we really look at it, it's not necessarily them. Okay. So um, then there's two pillars on either side of this, which is um, commitment. So that, and, and so one of the reasons, you know, like we, we talked about in terms of the positive perspective, if you are not committed to the relationship, someone isn't going to be committed to you. If you're not committed, then someone is going to trust you. Um, so there has to be some sense that you're in it as a team. Um, and then the other pillar is trust. And trust is built when... Trust is built when we have roused um, and we see how the other person treats us. And it's built 
when we need support. And so the Gottman's uh, key motto is that um, when you hurt baby, the world stops. And the idea is, their idea of this is that when when your partner's hurting, that you will drop like drop everything to help them feel better. So that 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 sort of plays into what Sandra's group were talking about dynamic dynamic help, dynamic support. So that you're going to talk it through and you're going to be there. Um, and you, you you can't obviously like things happen. Someone might be facing redundancy. Someone might have a health challenge. You can't necessarily solve the problem, but you can um, empathise and be there um, uh, for that, um, like as much as you can. So it's the idea that we're we're w- this relationship is as a safe cocoon from the world. Okay, and so then you get to the last couple, which is, so what this is, is like these are the foundations. And so then what it's about is we we come to a relationship because it enhances our life. And so th- their way of expressing this is um, making life dreams come true. Um, and so what that means is that you're, you care about and you're going to support your partner in achieving their dreams. Um, and so this is re- really goes into the building love maps of knowing what your partner wants and needs and then how can you support them in that? Because if the relationship, because ultimately we all have hopes and dreams and our relationships are part of that journey. And if the relationship gets in the way and we have to choose between this and this. And if there's something that we've always really wanted to do, then the relationship probably is not going to survive. Because even if you give up that, there's still going to be that pull that this is the thing, this is what my life was meant to be, and you've stopped me doing that. That's going to be like this resentment between you. So, and then the last one is create shared meaning. And so this is like talking about... um, rituals and um so like what does christmas mean for you as a family and you as a relationship what does um birth what birthdays mean what does our anniversary mean what does a holiday mean how do we do like these are the rituals of what we do but it's also the big rows in life are um sex money children career um domestic duties now um john gottman said he 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 asked people like what does money mean and he said he stopped at a hundred different meanings of what money meant to people so money meant caring money meant power money meant control money meant freedom all of these things and so this is i think why we have so many different words to express something that i think the gist of we could probably come up with something that we all, that meant all of it, but we all use different words. So the shared meaning is about like, what's your future vision? What do you want for your, so this plays into um, Betty's group had quite strongly values um, is what do we value? Um, What do we, um, 
you know, what, what are we doing? Um, when we, how do we spend our money? How do we spend our time? How do we spend our resources for what value? Um, and it's working like the arguments that we have are mostly about something that we're on different spectrums, that money means caring to one person and it means control to someone else. And because we've never really refined that, we're fighting, we think we're fighting about something that we spent money on, but actually we're fighting about what does that money mean? What, what could we have bought? So that's really the um, sound relationship house model. I'd just like to say I found that very insightful. I think it's a great model. I yeah, think yeah, I agree see. with I do agree because while you were saying it, I was just thinking of so many different scenarios and situations that were just like going through my mind. So it's but they've put it into words. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. Well, most of all of it, basically. Well, I think that the one element that they haven't, they don't really address, and it's not really what they're trying to address. Um, but in order to do that, you, there needs to be a certain level of um, self-awareness, self-mastery and vulnerability and courage that all of the things that you've all picked up on. Um, Carl, do, uh, your hands up. Yeah, um, I tried to do some of this um personal exploration with a partner and it didn't quite work because I didn't have the foundations at the bottom in place. So, you know, maybe there were some parts lacking and then we weren't actually able in some ways to create shared meaning and um, plan for making life's dreams come true because although I'm quite forthwith and communicative, um the other party wasn't so yeah just just something to say that you know if you if you want to evolve and all these different things that a bit like maslow's if you don't have the foundations it's possible that you, you may not be able to achieve those higher levels um foundations in in what sense well it, <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing but i suppose on a day-to-day -day level that sometimes we were bickering perhaps you know, I mean, this is a while, quite a while ago now, but so it's hard then to sit down, you know, and then have a open, frank, um, energetic conversation where you're sharing your dreams and vulnerabilities and able to dig deep because you're feeling open with somebody who you argued about leaving the jam out on the side the previous night before. I didn't mm. happen, but it's an example. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, it's, I, I think it is quite difficult for a couple to do alone as well. Um, I'm planning. I'm going to do like workshops, and, and I think the Gottmans have have a program as well. Um, but I think it can be it can be difficult. It's, it's like lots of people. You see, lots of people claiming to be everyone's claiming to be the leading relationship expert. Um, not. It's interesting. John Gottman doesn't claim to be that, but there, there are lots of people. And I always think, how can you say that you're a relationship expert? Because how can you have a relationship? If you're a relationship expert, then you always have to be right. And how can any how can you have a relationship then because it's automatically unequal? 
so I think um, I think it's very. I think um, in some. I think we all need. I think people are a closed system, and a relationship is a closed system, and you need something outside of that. Um, Stan Tatkin talks about that as well, about having some third, um, some like other friends or something that you can discuss things with because otherwise it's, it's like, especially if you're someone who's introducing this to a partner um, and so you're kind of giving it secondhand um, and without having like 40 years of understanding of, of knowing it, you're not, you haven't got all the grasp of the, of the things and you're trying to explain it to someone without fully knowing it. Um, and then they're going, well, that doesn't make sense. And that, um, and it also feels like to some people, if it's not framed right, it's going to feel like it's something that you want to do. Um, and it's been done to them. Um, so that's why I think like retreats or something like that can, um, give the basis, um, so it's like the right context because it's it's all about context, isn't it? So like you say, like if you're bickering, um, then you're sort of starting from a, a a different place and that becomes harder to have that um, discussion. I think it's a really, really brilliant uh, bunch of information you've just shared with us Rob but thanks a lot I really like the stuff about uh, having uh, making it a bid and that sometimes it's not what we're saying directly it's what we're saying indirectly and if that person's turning towards you and they're open and present then they would pick that up as opposed to just being dismissive uh, I thought that was a really deep point and I really like the, the idea of the love map thing and about uh, again it, it ties in with what I was saying about having values and priorities because if you don't have the same uh, hopes and dreams and fears that you can share and you're moving towards then how can you really create a strong relationship because I think that what makes people uh, come together isn't the same likes but the same priorities so I think that's a really good good point and I was just really interested when you said that trust comes from when you support somebody and when you said when you're hurt the world stops I thought that was really powerful mm. really deep yeah, um, that that's really that's really the sum of the Gottman's. Um, yeah, which I think is because because like their model is quite it's worth three, six, nine, nine different elements that can be quite complex. That's why one of the reasons why I said like, can we break it down to three? Um, but being able to have that motto, like if you have that that motto mantra. Um, then it, that guides everything. Um, one of the, like the, the love maps, um, because the five love language is so popular um, and so widely used, um, I read uh, Gary Chapman, who, who wrote it, um, hit one of his frustrations with it was that lots of people have done it and then they go, they go, oh, my, my, my love map is um, acts of service. So I want you to do this. And his, his whole thing, he, he said that people misunderstood it in that it wasn't about 
this is what I need, but it's about understanding um, people are different. Um, so not just what you need, but also um, understanding the other person. Um, Sarah, you're muted. Yeah, it was just a really quick point of being somebody's number one fan. Um, we can all bicker and have a go at each other and get the ump, whatever, from time to time. It's going to happen. But if you're that person's number one fan, you you know, they are the most incredible person to you. They, they could look like crap, but really you would still see them as being, you're their number one fan. So like when you're looking back, like the people that had successful relationships, that's because their memories of their partner are, oh, she was so beautiful or he was so amazing. And they've got that, um, that's how they view them. So if you view the person like that, throughout, you, you view them with those spectacles on that they are the most amazing person to even when they're you know pissing you off or whatever, I think that that's really going to um, see you in good stead rather than like what you said, just setting yourself up for failure. If you're looking at somebody and hating on them and not being happy with them, it's not going to last. Yeah. It's just a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think that's what we're all, we're all kind of looking for in a relationship: someone who looks at us like that. Yeah. Um, and none of us deserve it all of the time. No. And obviously, it's not going to. Um, it's not making excuses for someone that doesn't deserve it generally. But if we decide that we're in that relationship, um, like Eric, I think it's Eric from who who says that love is a verb. Um, love is not something we feel, it's love is something that we do. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and why it's so hard is because we have to put in that work. Um, and so like Helen Fisher talks about the romantic drive of being um, up to three years, somewhere between like six months and three years, um, that most people feel the lust, the initial novelty is love. But actually it's that is just that is is really chemistry the honeymoon stage um but once you get past that there's going to be this is where like Dorothy from accounts or Derek from marketing there's always going to be someone else who looks attractive there's always going to be someone else um who appears to have everything and so over the course of if you want to have a, a sustainable and lasting relationship there has to come a point where you decide this is the person and if that's the person then you have to like lots of people talk about polyamory and oh you know like relationships now should be um we should look at the relationships differently and i think that really it's um part of success in anything is about sacrifice it's about commitment. It's about sticking, um, you know, like if you're wanting to achieve anything, then a, a lot of it is work. You Like if you want to be a black belt on a martial art, that means that you have to take like five to 10 years of dedicated effort of doing the same thing that gets boring. And it, um, like George Lennon talks about, that's mastery is 
the relentless focus on the one thing and getting better and better. Um, and I think that is ultimately what it takes in a relationship is the commitment to cutting off other options um, and, yeah, sort of deluding yourself because there are always going to be attractive alternatives, um, but it's the ability to sacrifice them for the lasting relationship. Thank you. Um, Carl? Yeah, just something uh, that's kind of rattling around in my head. So there's talk here of sheer fondness and admiration. Um, I hope I can, if you'll allow me just to elaborate a bit, but I would say as, as a British culture, uh, I mean, depending on where you are on the, the economic scale, but let's just say in working class circles, there is an element of people chipping away at each other in a kind of joking sort of way and in a playful way, um, you know, for humility. But behind that would be love or caring and sharing. And what I'm trying to say is, is that are we as, um, let's say, a society, if I may go broad instead of kind of segregating, are we made that way to be, oh, hello, darling, how was your day? And that sort of thing, as, a, as opposed to a different way of being. Um, does that make any sense to you? It does. Um, yeah, so, so I, I, people, people often talk about Harville Hendricks and it's a best-selling book, um, but I've never been able to get into it. And part of it is because it comes, they come across as, I was on a workshop where they were on and I've seen talks and I've never got past the bit that just seems, it's like very Californian. Um, I, and I, that's probably a generalization, but it just seems really American and sort of fake of um, where they go, you know, um, I am wonderful, you are wonderful, we are wonderful, and you should say that. And I think, well, saying something like that to me just just sounds fake. It's like, say, these affirmations. Um, and so I've never got past that. It always seems to be quite superficial. And I'm sure there's lots of people, there's millions of people that love their work. So I'm sure it has value, but it doesn't speak to me. Um, and so the reason I'm saying that is I think the banter and the, I think you can, you can have couples and they're like, oh, that'll get, oh, you know, she's nagging again. But it's the meaning beneath the words. Um, and so it's not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to dress it up if the other person knows what you mean. And so you can have that banter and calling each other derogatory names or that, if you know that underneath it, they, there's, there's a loving intention. Whereas for me, you know, like I listen to something that's very, sounds just sounds fake to me. And I would look at that and be, um, I'd rather someone be honest. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and so in that, there's a, 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 is an honesty and, a, and there's a recognition that they're not willing to be vulnerable um, in the sense of they're not, no, not willing to say it, say those, say it in nice words. But they, I think they know, like if they do know, like if, it, if it's meant um, 
genuinely, uh, with genuine kind, kindness, then I think they they know it, if that makes sense. But the that um, apart from the cheerleading element of what they're doing, they're saying, and that forced, exuberant um, display of affection and all the rest of it, um, <clears throat> that it is trying to put it to the fore, that it's almost like practicing and um, trying to reinforce it and make it become a part of of how you display your your feelings, um, because it's so it's so overt and it seems so practiced and rehearsed. It's almost as though trying to tell you that this is exactly how you should be feeling by doing and saying. That's what it is that you're 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 kind of cementing it into your into your your being <laughs> and the yeah. other person. Is 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 the fondness and admiration aspect not about you making the choice to be with someone who you genuinely respect and admire, which again comes down to you, not who they are, but who you're choosing to have a relationship with. And I think it relates to what Sarah was just saying about being someone's biggest fan. If you're a fan of somebody like Lady Gaga, you, you're not bothered when her next song isn't your favourite. You just you have that genuine admiration and respect. If it's reciprocated, I would think, um, suppose you're a fan and you are doing all the right things, but the person doesn't give you back much in return. What well, I'd ask you, Sandra, is would it be enough if, for example, I always remembered your birthday, I would always be on time or when I was there, I'd say I'd be there, uh, protect you, but on a daily basis... I just go about my life and I don't necessarily, how how are you? And, oh, let's have a hug and all that sort of stuff. I'm just going about life. But if I do, and this is maybe where I'm going wrong, the duty of love, the actual doing of love, is that enough or is that not enough? And that's maybe where I'm going wrong. Actually, um, the birthday is, it's for me, if you acknowledge the birthday is not what you give me on the birthday, that's usually significant because there are people who will get you the same thing. You know, it's like having your secretary write in the diary and get you, you know, that's just how impersonal can that be? So to me, that doesn't show me that you love me. That just shows me that you've got an efficient secretary and you've got money to to, to buy me up <laughs> something that you think you <laughs> Keep me okay. So that doesn't work. But if you, on a continuous basis, can show me that you appreciate me, and it's not this lovely, lovely, lovely. It can be just a hand on a shoulder in passing. It doesn't have to be extravagant things. It's just an aware that you're acknowledging my presence mm -hmm. and that you like that I am in your space. You want me there and you like me. I may be reading a book. We don't say anything for hours you may just get up and you're going to make a cup of tea and you ask me if I want one and I will not because my head is in my book or on my computer screen but it says you are you are appreciative of my being in your space and you are thinking about me 
and vice versa. So to me, it's just little things, not big, continuous. Oh, darling, sweetheart, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, you are my everything. I don't want to hear that every day. After a while, I'm going to say, hmm, what are you up to? Why are you carrying on like this? This is too much. Can I say back the number one fan? What I mean is in the... Not that it's like you're the cheerlead with the pom-poms, like, yeah, yeah, it's nice to say, yeah, every now and then I love you or you're wonderful or whatever you love about the person. It's not that actual display. It's that you know that person's always going to come back and tell you the truth. That person, if they're in a room with 10 people, they're not going to be putting you down and speaking about you. And if anybody says anything about you, they're going to come running back and you know that person's always got your back. Um in that sense, so even if you're angry and pissed off with them, they're not going to go chat about all your business to people and run you down. Or you're not going to be worried in that way because, you know, when it comes down to the crunch, they have got you. They've got your back. Mm. That's what yeah. I mean about number one fan. Yeah, so that, that's that's where you have trust because you know that they're always going to be there. Yeah, yeah. And it could be just, it doesn't need to be all with words and displays. It can just be the fact that when you're when you're in the shit, they're there. Or if you need any, you know, that, that they're there. And obviously you're doing the same back. It's not one-sided. It's having security in your relationship. That's the yeah. bottom Yeah, you just know because they've proved it. They've shown you. They're not backstabbing you and talking about you. Or putting you down, all right, a bit of banter's okay, but it could go a bit too far. It's if you know, it's it's just that you know they respect you and they love you, and nobody else is gonna be able to get in between that because you feel it because that person's loyal to you. Working as a team. Yeah, yeah. But if you're looking at them thinking, oh, look at it, you know, if you're looking at them and you're resenting them and you're building all these things up in your head, it's not going to get anywhere, is it? Because you don't respect them. You're not their number one fan. You don't really think that much of them. Mm. Yeah. You know, so you're going to be gone, aren't you? You're going to be cheating or you're just going to be taking advantage. Um, was was it Janice? Were you gonna? Yeah, I was gonna say. I think Carl was you saying like you, you didn't want to do it all the time, or was it not enough? I think it, it's it's it doesn't have to be all the time. It's just c consistency, you know. Not it doesn't have to be all the time. It's just that these little things every now and again. And and I think when you the, the longer you've been with someone, you don't necessarily um, expect it so often. You know, you can go for a <laughs> you know you can go for a while with none, and then some positive little. Uh, you know, uh, doing nice things. It's almost like, you know, Rob, when you said about a bank account before, if they've got loads in the bank account and they've done lots of good things before, then if there's a point where they're not doing anything good because they're really stressed, you're kind of okay because there's all this in the bank. And then all of a sudden they, the consistency comes back. And and I think if, it, if the groundwork's there, like, you know, you said like the foundations, then it, the relationship can survive those gaps for a while. So it doesn't have to be like, you know, over the top, great big things all the time, every day. So I don't think, you know, Cole, you said, oh, I think I'm doing it wrong. It's not necessarily that. It's the consistency and that then it returns. If there's like a bit of a gap, then it returns. And you can say, oh, that's, yeah. I, I think consistency is really important in that that's what develops trust because that that's how you know who someone is. Yeah, because then you um, can put it down to something being not quite right rather than the relationship being wrong overall. Yeah. 
Um, and and also, I, I think this is where like the love maps is really important because it's individual. Because some people will want a fuss on their birthday because that means that they it, it cares. Some people, it won't matter so much to. So it's understanding what your partner, what they're reading into what you do. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that's where you're understanding them. I just, well, yeah, can I think you speak I... more about what, what you define trust as? You, you said earlier on that uh, when somebody uh, supports you, and just now you said consistency. Okay. Um, so trust is confidence that someone um, is confidence that you can rely on someone. So it's that they have their back, your back. It's that they won't hurt you. So, so th there's different elements to trust because there's there's trusting someone won't hurt you. There's trusting someone cares about you. There's trusting that someone won't cheat. There's some trusting that someone won't betray you. It's trusting that someone won't abandon you. So trust is a bit like confidence. Um, and, and trust is, in a sense, confidence that someone won't do something. So it's just based on past experience, which comes comes down to consistency then? Yeah, because w what we judge, like the best judge of future behaviour is past behaviour. Yeah. Um, so w we have to, we judge based on what we think someone's motives are, based on what they've done in the past, based on how they react to things. Um, so trust is really, if someone's consistent, you tend to trust them. If they're inconsistent, you don't know how to predict what they're going to do. You know, someone's up one week, down the next, you never really know where you're going to be, and so you don't trust them. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's about predictability, but based on the, the consistent past behaviour which you're projecting into the future. Yes. Um, yeah, but it really, it, you, you get a sense of someone and then you get a sense of how they're going to react. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it could be trust in a positive or negative way. Cause if they've let you down, then you'll be, you're able to predict that they'll do that again, which is to say you can trust that they'll let you down again. Yeah. Yeah. So you won't try you. Yeah. So there's going to be a sense that you mistrust them. Um, and so it's 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 a bit like that trust exercise, isn't it? You, trust exercise where you you fall back into someone's arms, um, and if you think that sometimes they may not be there, you're not going to trust them. But if you know that every time they're going to be there to catch you, then uh, you'll trust them. Yeah, great, thanks. You about going back to um, a point that Khan made um, earlier. This whole notion of what I do for your birthday, you know, if it's enough or whatever. To me, um, a, a true sign of being connected with another person is really understanding what um, that what they really appreciate. And in some instances, it has nothing to do with money. If you take me out on a, and drive me up into the mountains or to the to the beach and we sit down and there's no money, nothing involved, but you just take me somewhere like that, that would be the best birthday for me. And in other words, it doesn't have to be 
I, I, I don't think, yeah. I don't really understand what I love. That's the point I'm getting at. I know. You, you know, so it's it's being connected to that person. You would know that about me because you're connected to how I feel and you see the things that I, how I respond. Like my plants behind me, they're not mine, but you know, those plants, I, I will kill you for them because I love plants. And if you bought me an orchid, I, it could be five pounds, I would just love you. It would be the best present ever. So um, I, I'd prefer you did that instead of killing me. But you know, I really what you said really stuck with me. Not witnesses here, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> because you were saying about that uh, you don't necessarily have to show an overt sense of it, but small signs that you enjoy that person in your space, you acknowledge them and they're present. I've seen relationships go by the wayside because people bury their head in devices or laptops or phones, and that is non-presence. And even though you are there, this whole thing of being present is, is a real something. And what I was pointing to, I wasn't saying, oh, I remembered your birthday. It was more a sense of dutiful love compared to a kind of romantic uh, notion of engagement. That's what I was really trying to get to. But thank you also for the advice, you know, of buying flowers and small things. And, yeah, it's like little notes and stuff. And um, I, I get it. Yeah, that's maybe what I missed out. Don't save it all for the grand gesture once for the year. There are 364 other days to cover. <laughs> I used to have a boyfriend that every time he left my home or I'd been with him, when I'd come back, I'd find a note that he'd written for me that I didn't know about, that he'd either put in my bag or he put on my TV or he left somewhere. So whenever I'd left his time, I'd spent time with him, I'd come back and that would be there. And I thought that was really, really sweet. So, Carl, practice your handwriting. <laughs> Do it, yeah. <laughs> we like those things. I, I think Carl made a really good point about being present. I think that's really powerful. And like you said, you, you see so many young couples that sit beside each other on the bus and they're both on their smartphones. And it's just asking someone to actually be present because uh, I think I've said this before, the definition of present is your presence. That's what a gift is. That's what you're giving someone. It's not the object, but your presence. So when you speak of somebody making a note or, or, or giving you some sort of gift, what they're telling you is, I was thinking of you. You are present, even though I'm not here with you. You are in my, my thoughts. So that's what presence is. It's the ultimate gift. So if somebody isn't present with you even though they're physically there it's worthless and i know and i know what gives you pleasure i know what you're about i understand your makeup and to me if you're not um in tune with that person you won't discover that about the other person i guess i'm also trying to communicate that i've felt that my sense of duty in love always thinking of planning doing things like that it it wasn't quite enough and i am learning that now that you know the the duty is not enough you have to there's more work to it perhaps but i still felt that a lot of what i did was underestimated or undermined or not not valued enough but again it depends who you're with is that do you think that's pressure you're putting on yourself though like i don't 
I'm not saying it is. It just sounds like, as you're describing it, it just sounds like you're doing what you thought you should do, not what they actually expected of you. It's just... Well, I know someone in a marriage and she complains. She's, they're still together. They've been together over 20 years. And every time that we're out and she's away from him for five minutes, all she talks about is how um, she doesn't feel loved in her relationship. And he said to her, well, I load the washing machine, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think also that you've got to be careful about the um making the the organ the organized um gestures of affection where you have to do the planning and the choreography to make it right. There is little room for enjoyment and spontaneity in that because you are forever it's organized and a proper relationship should be free-flowing in some respects that's when you see the real person when you get you know you let your hair down you just don't do anything it's not um planned to the hilt all the time because then you are you should be tired after a while my goodness gracious how much planning can one man do you know this oh for the weekend this oh for the birthday this this is the anniversary oh my goodness gracious uh, the birthday whatever that's too much planning there is, needs to be time to just you know i i think um if you look at cars, you can only engineer a car to last for so long. Um, if a car is really badly built, the friction will mean that the, the car will break quickly. Um, but you can't engineer it perfectly so that it will always last. Um, and so if you look at relationships in the same way, you can't engineer a relationship to last. You can um, engineer it so badly that there's so much friction that it breaks. Um, but you can't make a relationship that isn't going to work. And ultimately it comes down to you, the right person, the right context, the right environment. Um, and if you have that, it's not necessarily about individual things that you do. It's just the general dynamics. So they can, they can make someone a little bit happier, but that little bit happier isn't going to make the relationship last forever. But also if one person is doing all of the planning and the organizing, that other person becomes a passive bystander in that relationship and comes to expect and not necessarily do, not, not yeah. necessarily put themselves out. And it's, it's also uh, a sense of that it can be where someone feels... When, when people get into a relationship, sometimes there's a feeling of inequality. Sometimes there's a feeling like I've, I've caught someone who's who's better than I, I expected um, and the feeling like of not being good enough and having to be better. Um, and so that can be one of the ways that that whole dynamic plays out. And then it, it levels because what people superficially look like isn't what they really are five years in. Um, and so what you thought you were, like who you thought you were getting into a relationship isn't necessarily who who you were. Um, Janos, sorry, you've been very yeah. patient. I think Sandra got a really nice point as well on it. You know, like 
we don't need to be perfect. It's just so much this perfectionist. Men's, men's want to be perfect. Well, guess what? Who knows it's perfect what you do? It's only yourself. Nobody else can know. And you take out that outcome expectation. You can enjoy whatever you do. You need the first two points. And after whatever, flow with that. Enjoy the moment. I used to have planners, Carl said as well. I used to plan everything and was really outcome. Now make me angry. Didn't came us. I wanted what's happened. Actually just grew up. Doesn't work. Need to change. Because what that says to me is that you get caught up in the thing itself and, and you've forgotten the relationship. It's That's become secondary to the performance. Of yes, but that's what the man's got, this yeah. society. They, they're expecting to be performed always in the top. That's that's what they kind of teaching, you know? And that's <laughs> what actually break the man's. It is also, I, I can remember Alan um, saying... Um, a couple of months ago about feeling the pressure of always being a joker on a date. Um, and there is something in um, dating dynamics and in um, the whole relationship model, like mentality that we have that um, feels that someone has to perform. Um, Sarah, is your, is your hand up or is that still from last time? Uh, I think that's, that's not me. Last time. Okay. Sorry, Betty. Oh, Carl. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is worth throwing into the mix, but it's an interesting thing I've noticed as well that um, sometimes you know, it depends on your mind state, but if you're actually slow things down a bit and going back to what Betty said and even Sandra hinted at and you're just really present with somebody even if you're a completely different world and don't have that much in common you can actually sort of form a bond that way because you're you're really there with that person um I just thought I'd add that and that's mm. that can happen yeah it's a good point because you can't connect unless you're present mm. and connection is about depth of presence Okay. Um, well, thank you for for being here and sharing your perspectives and developing uh, our relationship knowledge. Um, so next week we've got, I've forgotten what we've got next week, even though I just put it up today. Um, but we have another one next week. Compatibility or something? Sorry? Ah, yes. Chemistry and compatibility. Yes. Um, yeah, so we'll be working that out next week. This has been um, wonderful, Rob. I feel like we could discuss it all night. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, um, it's a shame that we're like in a, in a shared room, or if we had, um, were able to, I think we would be able to build out a model, um, and develop not just the, the qualities, but how they interrelate. Yeah, what were your three words then that are the ideal or, or um minor integrity respect 
and kindness. It's basically on that because then from integrity, you have, um, so they're like the models that you, you bring to, um, the relationship. Um, but if you, I think we went through this before in relationship, heaven and hell. Um, where if you, if you show up with integrity, um, you create the right and trust and the right environment. Um, and respect in the sense of being really empathic and understanding them in the sense of knowing their love maps and really that who they are matters, which then develops the communication and kindness. Um, Anything to read for next week? Um, no. Uh, no, I haven't really, really mapped out, but no, it's not based on any particular book or anything. Um, no, I think we'll just, we'll just come. You know, as we are. but I think, so I think what we're really looking at, we talked about attraction and I think chemistry is part of that. Um, and then compatibility is chemistry is like chemistry is part of attraction. Compatibility is part of the long-term um, maintenance of that relationship. Um, so yeah, it's just really that to think about, um, and then we'll we'll work it out. So I mean, what what to think about is is what creates what's the chemistry. So if you were looking at chemi chemicals, um, you're looking at this chemical and this chemical have this reaction. So what are the factors in personalities in people? that create that different response. So who are people that you respond to well? Who are people who respond to you not so well? And compatibility then is what do you need to support you? What are the qualities? Like in order to feel trust, in order to feel um, supported, what do you need from someone? Um, so I think they're, they're the elements of chemistry and compatibility. cash <laughs> um okay well thank you everyone have a great week bye cheers rob cheers thanks rob bye, bye. 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 bye.